You're listening to a message from Excel Church. For more information about events and all that happens at Excel, visit www.excelchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Hey. If you are joining us for the first time, then you have joined us in the middle of a series. Um, the screen will come on, I'm sure, saying, thank God it's Monday. And, um, but um, today I'm getting to talk about uh, faith over fear. Living a faith over fear kind of life. And um, I was thinking about this this week. I am, uh, and I, I think I can be honest and say, I'm not naturally a fearful person. I don't, I'm, I don't get afraid. And when I say fear, I don't mean the kind of fear. And I realize fear is real to, to us and fear can grip us at any moment. Um, but I think this morning I need to give some context because I'm not, I'm not talking about the fear that kind of grips us necessarily, a fear of the future or a fear of of the way things might turn out. We've got to keep it in the context of what we're talking about in this idea of reaching people, being a great witness, if you like, and uh, illustration of who Jesus is in our everyday lives, how sometimes fear can stop us from stepping out. Fear can stop us from kind of representing God the best way we can or um, walking across the room, having a conversation, bringing life, bringing encouragement, you know, praying for someone inviting them to something, bringing them into an encounter. Like I spoke last Sunday night about this idea of how we to initiate contact with non-believers and non-Christians in our world, invite them into our world, pray for them, and to then bring them and bring them into a place where they can have an encounter. Often it's fear that stops us from stepping into that. But I recognize that fear is real. And when I was thinking about this, I had to kind of be honest and say, you know, I'm not a fearful person. I'm not afraid of the future. Um, I get a, a little bit fearful when I get up high. When we went to, to New York and we went to the top of the Empire State Building, if anyone's ever been there, I felt pretty secure at the top of there because it's got a wall around it, like a proper wall. So I knew that it would take some effort for me to, to fall off. Because actually I don't think it's the height that I'm bothered about, it's the falling from a great height that worries me. Um, and the Rockefeller is different. The Rockefeller, I stayed inside while Karina was on the outside ledge, because it's just this big sheet of perspex. There's nothing there. And so the fear is that there's nothing there. And you've got people who are leaning up against it, and you're like, what are you doing? I am not afraid for myself. I was in a, I was in a room, there was glass, and if I'd have fallen, I'd have fallen about this far onto the next level. So I felt safe. So fear, fear doesn't grip me, fear doesn't get a hold of me, but fear is, fear is real. I'm not going to stand up here and kind of over-spiritualize it and say, well, fear's not real, it's all in our imagination. No, I, I understand that fear's real. When that spider crawls out from under the sofa on a Saturday night, it's, it's definitely coming to attack you, isn't it? And it's bringing all its friends with them. Um, no, they're not. They just look a bit weird, don't they, when they crawl across. And I'm, I'm, not, a really, I'm not great with spiders. Uh, I'm going to probably offend people now. I'm not a carrier of spiders out. I usually get the shoe out and deal with it, sorry. Might have lost some people there who <laughs> saved the spider kind of thing. But fear, fear, has, fear has some strength when we compare it to faith. Fear, fear, fear can intimidate us. Fear can intimidate us and stop us from, from stepping out. Fear can stop us from stepping into the future because we're afraid of what the future might be. And even though it's a great opportunity, fear can intimidate us and say, no, you can't go there. 
While faith, on the other hand, wants to encourage us. Faith wants to release us into the fullness of all that God has for us. Fear has a power of limiting us and making us almost kind of withdraw or make our world smaller than it should be because we're afraid of what might happen if we step out. While faith, and if you read the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, it's not a verse that they can put up on the screen, but he says this uh, to the people in Corinth. He says that, you know, we didn't, we didn't hem you in. We didn't make your world small. You did that on your own. And I think fear plays a part in that. Keep my world small because then I can manage it. I can control it. I can look after it. I don't, I, I don't have to worry because everything in it is under my control. But he encourages them to step out into the wide open space, it says in the message version, of where God is working, where God's provision is, where he wants us to flourish, where he wants us to be blessed, where there's breakthrough, where there's reward. But fear can limit us while faith wants to take those limits off. Fear, fear says to us, what if it goes wrong? What, what if you step out and it all goes pear-shaped? What if, what if it doesn't work? What if, it's, what if God's not really with you? What if you feel like you've got something to say to someone and you kind of walk across the room and you want to, you know, someone's saying they're not feeling very well and in, inside you're thinking, I should say, hey, I'll pray for you, but fear says, yeah, but, but what if the prayer doesn't work? Faith on the other hand says, what if God does turn up? What if it does work? What, what if we don't allow that kind of aspect of stopping ourselves to stop us, but actually kind of make the move? Fear, fear, fear kind of helps us focus on the embarrassment or the foolishness that could happen if we get up. And it's like that dream when you're public speaking and your trousers fall down or something like that. And you're like, that's a fear for some people, public speaking. It would grip them. They wouldn't sleep because of it. And it's that kind of idea sometimes. It's like, well, if I do this, it's all going to go wrong and I'm just going to look like an idiot. And so we keep our world contained. We keep it, we keep it small. We keep it tidy. We don't allow ourselves to step out because the what-if questions um, stop us. Fear says you can't do this. But faith says you can. Not in your own strength. But because God is with you can have a confident assurance. That's our living hope. We sing that song, it's Hebrews 6, I think it is. It talks about us having a living hope that even if these circumstances that we are experiencing right now never change here on earth, we have a confident assurance and we have a hope to look forward to that when we get to eternity, everything is made right. Hope you're pleased about that. And so... Fear might say you need to worry, but faith says you don't need to worry. Not in a blasé, who cares kind of way, but with a confident assurance that God is with you. In the Bible, apparently, it tells us 365 times, enough for once every day, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And the reason we can do that is partly one of the verses Rachel's already read. Isaiah 43, verse 1, Fear not, for I am with you. I have redeemed you. Even though you walk through the waters, I am with you. That's why we don't need to fear. We don't, we don't need to allow it to grip us in the way that perhaps it does. You see, when I read my Bible, 
I see a Bible full of faith over fear kind of moments. Right from the Old Testament, right from the beginning of the Old Testament, right through to the end of the New Testament. I think of people like Abraham and Isaac when he's um, asked by God to sacrifice his son. It's just such a peculiar kind of request, but it's a faith over fear moment. Because I know if I was asked to do that, I'd probably have a little bit of uncertainty. I'd be anxious about it. I'd be cautious about moving forward in it. But Abraham was a man of faith over fear. Joseph was a man of faith over fear. When you think about it, sold into slavery by his brothers. Worked for Potiphar, ended up in prison. Kind of works for the prison guards and authorities, gets forgotten in prison, ends up in front of Potiphar. It's a faith over fear kind of life. Moses stood in front of Pharaoh saying, on behalf of God, let my people go. It's faith over fear that enables you to do that. It's faith over fear when he stood in front of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is kind of chasing them down and everyone's going, we should have just stayed where we were. And fear is starting to grip the Israelites that Moses can lift up that staff in faith over the Red Sea. Faith over fear. Moments. Bible's full of them. Joshua crossing the Jordan. Taken over from Moses would have been fearful enough for him, would have been uncertain in, to compare himself to someone else who's gone before, yet he, he is the one who will inherit the promised land that God, had, that God had given to the Israelites. Faith over fear. Gideon with his 300 mighty men taken on the Midianites, 10,000 of them. You definitely need some, some faith in there. It's faith over fear. Jonathan and his armor bearer stood in front of the cliff and they say, perhaps God's with us. There's just a little bit of faith in there. Perhaps God will be with us. It's faith over fear. All the prophets that were in the Bible, it's people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, coming and standing before the kind of ruling authorities, the religious people of the Israelites to come and bring God's word. They needed some faith that would win over their fear that Daniel would pray even though an edict had gone out to not pray because if you prayed, you'd end up in the lion's den. Yet the first thing he does with the window open is go and kneel down and pray. Faith over fear. His friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did the same thing, didn't they? With Nebuchadnezzar, built this big statue of himself and said, you've got to bow down, you've got to worship me. They're like, no, we're not going to do that. Even if God doesn't come through for us, they say. Daniel 6, I think it is. Even if God doesn't come through for us, we're, we're not going to do that because you don't deserve glory and honor in the way that our God deserves yeah. glory and honor. That's faith, faith over fear. I think of Mary stood in front of the angel Gabriel being told that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Man, if that had happened to some of you women, I reckon there would have been a moment of like, What? It might not have been a gripped by fear, but there might have been a sense of uncertainty or anxiety or this is like a huge responsibility now. But her words in the Bible are very understated. Let it be as you have said. That's kind of what she says. That's a definitely a faith over fear kind of moment. I think of Jesus and all the people who met him and who had their faith over fear kind of moments. I think of the woman with the issue of blood who after 30 odd years had tried everything she possibly could to find healing and actually would have been an outcast in that society. Shouldn't have been outdoors in one sense and she, shouldn't, she certainly shouldn't have been reaching out to try and touch the hem of a rabbi's garment but she didn't let fear stop her 
Faith over fear won the day for her. The friends who brought their paralyzed friend through the roof brought to the feet of Jesus. He actually said, because of your faith, get up and walk. Faith over fear. Think of blind Bartimaeus by the roadside, shouting out so that Jesus would hear him. And the crowd turn on him and tell him to shut up. He could have been intimidated by that, the fear of what the crowd would have thought if he'd have continued to shout. But you know what? He wasn't bothered because he had faith to believe that if Jesus would hear him, Jesus would heal him. So my Bible, same Bible as your Bible, full of faith over fear moments because faith over fear always wins. And I think if you're a Christian here and you've been a Christian a long time, you probably know that. The challenge is, and I was very honest on Sunday night when I spoke, and if you were here, you'd you'd have heard me, obviously, because you were here. It's one of them ridiculous statements to make, isn't it? (laughs) But we know it, but we don't always live like we know it. And I'll be honest, you know, I do feel unqualified to preach these kind of messages about reaching people because I'm not the best at it, but I have a desire to be better. I want, I want some faith over fear moments and wins in my life. And actually I've had some, but so I know it. I know what the Word of God says. We're going to go through these very quickly. They might come up on the screen if you can keep up. But Joshua 1 verse 9, God says to Joshua, have, have I not told you, have I not commanded you, be strong and be of good courage. For basically I will be with you. Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, for I am with you wherever you go. Already read Isaiah 43, verse 1, and I've already mentioned that. You know, I am the Lord who redeemed you. Fear not, for I am with you. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says this. Paul wrote these amazing words. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Psalm 23, verse 4, the the most famous psalm in in one sense, but says that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sounds like a pretty scary place. Sounds like a place where we might get afraid. We might be afraid because it sounds lonely. It sounds, it's in the deep. It sounds like it's pretty dark and pretty dingy. Yet we do not need to fear. For God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Actually, that psalm goes on to say that God will prepare a table for us in the presence of our friends. No, not in the presence of our friends. In the presence of our enemies which for some of us would be, we would be afraid of that. God blessing us and God honoring us and favoring us in the midst of everyone else and all the stuff that's going on. That, that, even that would cause us a little bit of concern. Romans 8 verse 38 to 39 reminds us that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. There's no height, nor depth, nor, nor principality, nor power. There's nothing that we're going through, basically. There's nothing that's happening that can stop us from experiencing God's love. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 tells us to be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to bring our requests, make them known to God, that the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding would guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And I know those verses. I know them pretty well. Some of them, I would pray them over my life. 
I would speak them over my life. And so I, I know it in here. And what I said three weeks ago when I, when I started this series was it needs to get into here. They need to become a part of who I am so that faith will win over fear. Even in its simplest form, that faith will win over fear. I think fear does three things. Particularly when it comes to us reaching the people in our world. Fear stops us seeing. I thought about putting a scarf on, actually, and and then I thought I might walk forward and hurt myself. But fear stops us from seeing. Seeing what's going on around us. Seeing what God is doing. It it, it creates causes us, sorry, to become myopic in our sight almost. And we start to see what we don't have and we see what God isn't doing, but we, fear stops us seeing what God is doing. All the, all the blessings that he's poured out on our lives. We don't see people in the way that God wants us to see people. If we work or, uh, or have stuff to do, it all becomes about tasks and projects and getting things done and we, we don't care in the same way that we should care about people because it becomes about those things. We stop seeing the people first. We see the project first. We don't see the way God sees people. I think fear stops us hearing. Stops us hearing God's voice. Stops us from hearing the cry of the heart of the people around us. Last Sunday night, I quoted Rick Warren who says that anybody can come to Christ. Anyone can be one to Christ. You just need to know what the key to their heart is. So you need to pray to God for him to show you what the key to their heart is. You need to, but then you need to be able to hear it. But fear can stop us from hearing God's voice. Fear can stop us catching the heartbeat that God has for his people. And I think fear can stop us speaking. Telling our story. Bringing life and encouragement. Praying over people. I was listening to Brian Houston this morning and he was uh, on Hillsong TV and he was basically in his message saying, I want to prophesy over you today. Fear can stop us from doing that. The the big what if question of if I do, if I see something or I hear something or I want to say something, but what if I don't get it right can stop us. And once we stop doing it, then actually those things just become a little bit more difficult. But we're supposed to tell our story. The Bible tells us very clearly in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, that's the work of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us, and by the word of our testimony, which is our story. And so we can't let fear stop us from telling it. Now, there's an appropriate way to do it and all that kind of stuff, and it could be through relationship. Hey, you can go and stand on a street corner and shout your story if you want to, and it might have some impact and impact influence but I think through relationship over time the opportunity comes for us to be able to share and when I say story I don't necessarily mean how I became a Christian I just mean about life what's going on in my world right now the struggles that I have the things I'm trying to work out just like everybody else is trying to work out that then provides you with opportunity to be able to add to that when they ask you the question hey How come you just seem so calm through all that kind of stuff? How come you're not panicking? I'd be panicking if it was me. You seem to just have it all together. Then you've got your opportunity to be able to tell a little bit more about your story. I want us this morning, I don't want to glorify fear. Talked a lot about fear. 
But I think we need, to, we need to flip fear on its head. We need to think about it differently. It's interesting how from the start of the service, kind of just changing our perspective. Karina said it, you know, change our perspective. Let's change our perspective on fear this morning. Is this all right? Yeah. I want us to view fear like a scarecrow. What is a scarecrow there for? To scare crows. All right? Why does the farmer want... It's not like a question and answer. We don't have to do this, like Q&A now. Audience participation. Why, why does the farmer put a scarecrow in the field? It's to scare the crows. Why does he want to scare the crows? To stop eating the seeds. What would the seed produce? Wheat, some kind of fruit maybe, whatever it might be. I think this is really interesting. If scare, scare, fear is a scarecrow. Fear is a scarecrow in our lives. What's it trying to do? It's trying to intimidate us and stop us getting into a place where we should be. So I just think it flips it on its head. So that actually when there's a field in our life where there is fruit, where there is seed to be sown, where there's a harvest to be produced, fear stands in that field and says, you can't come in. What does a scarecrow do? It doesn't do anything. It's pretend. It, it's just pretend. And actually when you think about it, isn't that's what fear often is. It's just pretend. Most of it's in our imagination of what could happen if I step into this field. And I just think it's a really interesting way to look at it. To go, next time I feel a little bit afraid and the scarecrow of fear stands in that field where there is reward, where there is favour, where there is breakthrough, where there are people waiting for their lives to be transformed, where there are conversations to be had, where there's questions to be answered, whatever we want to put in there, where there is an opportunity for something to flourish and something to grow, fear kind of just stands there, like that. Might have the old plastic bag attached so it makes a bit of noise in the wind. Some tin cans. It can't get up, it can't, it can't, it doesn't physically chase the crow out of the field, it's relying, um, and I say this with the utmost respect to everyone in the room, it's relying on the stupidity of the crow to not work it out that it's not real. And I, I was thinking about this, fear is relying on our stupidity to not recognise it's not real. It's just what I think could happen. I think if I step into it, step into the field, I'm going to look a fool. Well, I'm not going to look any more a fool than the scarecrow looks. I think if I step into the field, I'm going to, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm not going to say the right words. What if they ask me questions and I can't answer the questions? What if they ask me about Noah and the flood? And so, I had this question the other day. Someone asked, does, um, that I heard, does Noah's ark still exist? Probably not. I don't think someone's got it in their backyard. It's quite big. Be difficult to hide. But sometimes the scarecrow of fear just intimidates us and it's just smiling at us in that kind of weird way that scarecrows are made, you know. Or maybe not smiling, I don't know. But it's just pretend. It's trying to convince us of something that's not true. Because faith over fear will win. 
And we are people of faith this morning. We're we're kingdom people. We're God's people this morning. And so fear can look like a scarecrow, but it doesn't need to stop us going into that field where there is reward, where there is blessing, where there is breakthrough. Maybe fear is the signal that God is about to increase our fruitfulness. But if we don't step into the field, and I'm just using that as an analogy, into that sphere of influence, into our front line, whatever we want to call it, we're not going to receive some of that fruitfulness. We're not going to see things happen. And so fear is intimidating us and stopping us from claiming our inheritance. In the book Scattered Servants, it says this, we should, not res- we should resist the temptation to sacrifice, sacrifice our future on the altar of fear. That's a powerful statement right there. It takes a moment just to work it out. But that's often what we do. In, in our fu- if we're Christians and we believe God's got the best for us, then in our future there are good things. Even allowing for the current circumstances that we might be experiencing God's got good things in our future. Even if we don't see them in the here and now on earth, God's got good things for us in our future because we're going to get to spend eternity with him. And so there are good things in our future, however we look at it. But we can't just, we can't sacrifice them because we're afraid. Because, because of the what if type questions. Maybe fear is the doorway to favour. It's easy for me to say, don't be anxious if you feel afraid. And that's to dismiss some of that fear that can grip us. But I want to encourage you this morning that even that fear, that strong fear, that terror by night, doesn't need to have a hold of us. And again, I know it's, it's real to us in that moment. One of the beautiful things about God in how he created humans is he gave us the ability to look into the future and imagine what the future could be. There's no other animal that God created that can do that. But the challenge with that is this. We can imagine a great future. I can look ahead and go, this could be amazing. It's going to be, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But I can also imagine it's going to be terrible, it's going to be a disaster, it's going to be horrible, it's not going to work. It's amazing how we go for those more than we go for the first ones. And so it's often in our imaginations that we go, we go off on a train journey somewhere and end up somewhere that God's like, how on earth did you end up there in thinking that this is how it could turn out? When just like he said to Joshua, have I not commanded you, you know, be strong, be of good courage. I'll be with you wherever you go. And so we've got to grab a hold of those and take a, take a hold of them by faith. You see, we all live by faith. Even if you're not a Christian in here this morning, you have all lived by faith this morning. Because I don't imagine anybody in this room tested the chair before they sat on it. Just to make sure it's sort of sturdy. Now, if it had been the foldy out ones that we have, maybe you would have if you've been around long enough. Because you've seen people sat on them, sit on them and disappear. <laughs> but most of us sat down by faith on the chair. We trusted in the chair that the chair would do its job without us having to think about, check the screws, make sure everything's all together. A lot of us this morning got in our car and we either pressed the button, as you do nowadays, or turned the ignition and 
beyond our control, the car came to life. It didn't just drive us here. We had to play a part in it. But we trusted that the car was in good working order. It would get us where we needed to go and that it was all going to be okay. And so we live by faith all the time. So why should it be any different then when it comes to making a difference in our different places where we're going to be this week? Why should we not be so natural about it in our everyday as we are with other things every day? Maybe it's just me that's been thinking like this. I'm not naturally supernatural. You know, and there's a tension for me of being overly spiritual about, every, you know, and, but also of being too earthly about stuff and worldly and of no spiritual use whatsoever. So you've got to get the balance right. I'm a bit more awkwardly supernatural. I don't, I don't find it easy. It, it's a bit clunky. It can be a bit, you know, difficult at times. But I'm, I'm working on it. And I want to be able to tell stories about what, I'm, about, about what I've done and how things are improving. But just, just as I come to a close, I want to just leave this thought. This has not been a traditional kind of three-point message, so I hope you've been able to kind of stay with me with this view of fear and faith and thinking of fear as like a scarecrow and this aspect of kind of like it's not real. When I look at my life, I can look at moments where God's come through for me. I can see when I've stepped out in faith And there's been a moment of victory, where there's been a moment of breakthrough, where God's done something that I go, that's amazing. I've prayed for someone, and God's used me as a conduit, and through that prayer, there's been an answer. I'm like, that's amazing. And often, someone will stand up here and go, I was just amazed that God would do that. And I've come to the realization that that is not, that's okay, but it's actually not the best. What I've got to do is I've got to stop them just being moments. I've got to integrate them into my life so those moments become normal. So why am I surprised when I pray about my neighbour that God would say something to me? Why am I so surprised about that? But it's become a moment that I keep telling you about because it's the only moment. But actually what I've got to do is I've got to integrate that into my life so that those moments just become normal. And that I'm not allowing fear to stop me seeing people, hearing what God's saying, or speaking over people's lives in the way that it can stop me. It's just a thought. I feel like I'm just kind of, over the last couple of messages, just sharing where I'm at on this journey. Trying to work it out for myself the best that I can. Let's celebrate what God's doing. Let's notice what God's doing in our lives. But then let's learn to integrate those moments into our lives so that they become part of our new normal. Let's live a faith over fear kind of life. Every day. So that we begin to see the fruit, the the reward, the blessing, the breakthrough, the change in people's circumstances that we probably desire you know I I would always encourage you I encourage people last Sunday evening to always be thinking of two people that you're going to pray about and pray for and ask God to draw them into his presence that God would speak to you and reveal the key to their hearts so that then you can respond and you can step out of comfort if you like and walk across the room or cross the road knock on your neighbor's door 
talk to the person in the cubicle next to you at work or whatever the situation is, circumstances. But that we would be more faith people than, oh, that's not me. I think I'll just step back. I'm a little bit afraid. It kind of unnerves me. I feel a little bit anxious about that. I'm uncertain how it would turn out. That we would be people of faith that we will not be intimidated by the scarecrow of fear anymore. But we'll be like most crows who've worked it out. If I go in that field, nothing happens. If I step across the road and I talk to my neighbour, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to die. I might fumble my words a little bit. I might not get it hundred percent and if you're a perfectionist that's going to be even more difficult for you because you're going to have to know everything's exactly right but you know what even if you don't get it exactly right it's going to be okay they're probably not going to throw so much at you that you can't cope with it they might be curious they might have questions they might st- they might start telling you their story about how they used to go to church all those years ago but now i don't really believe in god Or they might ask some difficult questions, but it's okay if you say, I don't really know that, but I'll find someone who does. Who's up for being a faith over fear kind of person? Then I want you to do something for me. I want you to take note this week of when you've stepped out in faith and not allowed fear to stop you. I I personally would love to start hearing some stories of how you are putting what we're talking about on a Sunday into practice. Maybe you've been a little bit kinder than you usually are. Maybe you've spoken some words of encouragement. Maybe you've taken cakes into the office and everyone was like, wow, that's amazing. Maybe you've had opportunity to tell your story, your, prop, you know, your full-on life history story, and you've been able to talk about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've just invited people a little bit more into your world and you've just been honest and open and said, hey, this is where I'm at. These are my struggles. And you're just waiting for that moment. But it would be great to start hearing about some of those. You can message me on social media. I'm sure you can find me. If you don't know me, my name's Julian, Julian Clark, and my email is julian.clark at xlchurch.com. You can send me messages. I'm happy for that. You can go on the XL Church Facebook page and do it through there if you want. Sensible messages before you start thinking you're going to send some weird ones. I'm only picking any because of my daughter. Is that alright if I put that challenge out today? Hey, why don't we stand just for one last moment? We're going to sing.